Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, this is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Abby Weisdorf, who is the author of Fan Sites, Film, Tourism, and Contemporary Fandom. Abby, thanks for being here with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Could you start by um, sharing a little bit about how this book came about? Yeah, um, I think, well, the easy, <laughs> the, the real beginning of this was, you know, as I think I mentioned in, in the introduction, in the acknowledgments and introduction, at least, um, this book was originally my uh, PhD dissertation. Um, and I came about doing that. Um, I, I live in the Netherlands. Um, I'm an American, but I live in the Netherlands. And I came about it um, through kind of getting involved with this project, uh, Locating Imagination, um, which was a, a bigger um, government funded project about media tourism. Um, and I have always been interested in fandom um, and got really interested in sort of the the different ways and the different experience that people have um, with visiting these kind of filming sites and kind of what kind of fandom it was and what ways of expressing it. Um, so I got involved with this project. I, I you know, spent a good four and a half years um, working on it as my dissertation Um it came out in the end. <laughs> I, I finished it, um, and I was really happy with it. Um, and I think a lot of people I know were happy with it. I got some good journal articles with it as well. Um, and yeah, I thought I I should probably. Um, I have some things. I have still some things I want to say, and some things that were in the dissertation that haven't been out. Um, so I was like, you know what? Let's see if I can uh, find a way to get this published and kind of get it out there um, and kind of get it into a into a, a way that'll hopefully help help other people working on this topic. So you come to this, you come to sort of looking at fan sites um, from a different perspective you talk a little bit about than is traditionally looked at sort of in tourism. So before we get into sort of those places and the um, sites that you visited, could you talk a little bit about your sort of approach, your theoretical approach and how you how you come to this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I mentioned it, particularly because when I started writing, the, when I started working on this project, it was... Gosh, it was 2013, <laughs> which still, it's one of those things where it feels like yesterday, but really, gosh, and thinking about it, so much has changed, and so much has changed in the field, um, which I, I guess, you know, I, I won't talk about that now, but when I was starting on this project, um, most of the work that had been done in researching, particularly film tourism, um, had really been by tourism researchers, um, not exclusively, obviously, um, but, you know, had been coming out of this perspective and really understanding it as a tourism practice um, and also, you know, under, you know, in, in that respect, but also how to manage it, how to um, work with it, how to encourage it if they want it to be or discourage it in some cases. Um, and so really having those kind of more concerns. Um, but, you know, I, I came to it as a media researcher and specifically as a fandom researcher. I've always been very interested in fandom. Um, and I thought this is kind of a element that I all that I think needs to be discussed um you know when talking about film tourism is talking about the effective relationships that people have 
to these places and to the texts that bring them to these places, I think is is very important. Kind of, it's it's more than it's just that they're famous. It's that there is something going on in there. But at the same time, um, I felt that the tourism studies approach was really um, important to bring into some of the fandom discussions about it. To talking about you know the actual physicality of it and the uh, the the sense of place and the ideas of place attachment. I think you need to combine those things. So that's what I, that was the approach I really wanted to take, but really as, as a fandom researcher. So that's, that's, I think the, the what's most going on in this, but I hopefully got some of the other stuff in there too. So you pick, you have sort of four case studies, right? Can you talk why you, and then we'll go into detail about each, but could you talk about why you picked the one, the case studies you did, why you sort of looked at these sites and why they were important? Yeah. Well, originally, um, within sort of the parameters of the the actual funding for the project, we were supposed to stay within Europe, and this was pre-Brexit, um, so the the UK counted. Um, and then I got to expand that a little bit when when turning these into a, a book, which was great. Um, but so I was kind of thinking about um, where would kind of fit into the parameters of the project, um, so that I could actually do my field work and and you know have it provided for and all that all that kind of nice stuff. Um, but also kind of what sort of things were both going on in the world. Um, you know, where were there sites where there is actually film tourism, you know, where people are really going. Um, and then also what hasn't been sort of done as much. Um, you know, at the time, I think a lot of the the research on film tourism, great research, um, had, you know, really been focused on saying Lord of the Rings in New Zealand. Um, I don't want to say, you know, so it was kind of, not only would they not pay for me to go to New Zealand, um, it was sort of, okay, that's been done a lot. Um, and so I was really, so I started with thinking about, okay, what's going on right now? And at the time, one of the biggest shows that was coming up, and this was even before it fully exploded, was Game of Thrones, which I knew had a lot of location filming, um, had a lot of things going on with that, and had a good fan base. Um, so I think I started with that, and then kind of branched out from there a little bit. So if, with Game of Thrones was sort of the the original thought that I had. It was ongoing. It was contemporary. It was um, happening right then. It had these great locations. Um, but then from there, I got interested in, um, and I've re- rearranged this a little bit for the book, but um, I got interested in, okay, Game of Thrones has these real filming locations, but what about these sort of artificial filming locations. Um, I, I got to go to Wizarding World of Harry Potter um, as a side thing, you know, not thinking I was going to do it for my project, just interested in it. And then I went there and I was like, wow, this is really something very interesting is going on here. Um, and they sort of these, these recreated places, these simulated places, um, that's also something that needs to be talked about in this, in this framework. Um, and then from there, kind of thinking about some of the people I talked to, um, even though Wizarding World was fairly new, it wasn't brand new. Um, so people had these sort of ongoing relationships with it. And then I really wanted to do something that focused on something that wasn't brand new. Um, and that's how I sort of stumbled upon the prisoner um, was, okay, uh, this is, you know, really, you know, something that has been ongoing for such a long time and that is still really engaged with. Um, and so that's kind of another angle to take on film tours. And because so much of the research about it is really things like Game of Thrones, <laughs> things like I had done, that's kind of, okay, this is a brand new thing that's happening. This is really new and exciting. Let's talk about it. Um, so that was kind of from there. And so that was, those were the, the dissertation cases. Um, and then when I wanted to expand the dissertation into a book, um, I wanted to kind of revisit some of the themes, but also kind of push it a little bit. Um, and I had really, I had long been interested in, um, the, 
the sort of this touring festival in the UK, Friends Fest, um, about friends and kind of having this sort of tension between um, the the really sort of commercialness of it, the fandom aspect, but then also that friends was kind of something that if you look at, you know, I, I like I said, I come at a fan study. If you look at sort of the, the nineties works of fan studies that I read when I was doing my, my master's degree, um, you know, friends was sort of the opposite of everything they talked about. But I knew from my own experience, from my own experience, from my, my family, from students I had from friends fest existing that, okay, this is still, this is a huge fandom. Um, so I really wanted to look at kind of what was going on there. Um, so I'm glad I got I got the chance to do that because I really wanted to. So this is a great excuse for me to uh, to go into to to Friends Fest and the and the new sort of pop up locations a little more. So that was that was really the thought process there. They all kind of evolved from each other um, to some extent. Yes, it's really great when research can be an excuse to like look at <laughs> something yeah, you really exactly. want to look at. Exactly. <laughs> So you um, start with Game of Thrones. So maybe before we get into sort of what you found for like the five people who don't know about Game of Thrones, you know, and you talk a little overview of Game of Thrones and because you did your research, you went there in 2013, right? Right at sort of the beginning. So kind of at the, maybe even situating it at that time too. Yeah. No, it was a really interesting. So Game of Thrones, it's, you know, it's a it's a high fantasy um, series. So it takes place in a totally different world from our own. Um, so there's no, but the way it kind of was selling itself, and particularly at this time that I was doing the research, um, it was very much talking itself, okay, it is a high fantasy. It is, it's got dragons, it's got magic, it's got all that stuff, but it's also in some way kind of historically accurate. You know, it's taking this, you know, a lot of high fantasy um, kind of sets itself in sort of a, a vague medieval time. Um, and this was, you know, Game of Thrones completely being one of them, but kind of sold itself as a more accurate version of medieval life or of medieval politics or, you know, medieval history than other high fantasy. Um, and part of that in the filming of it was its use of location. Um so that was something that was really inter- that was interesting about and that w- people were very interested in. Um, so I did the field work of this between the third and fourth seasons. Um, so it was already, people were already talking about it. There was already some tourism. There was already, fortunately, there was already people I could find. I was a little bit premature. I think if I'd done it the next year, it would have exploded. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, that's the way of things. Um, so I, I did field work in, um, in Dubrovnik in Croatia, um, where they did a lot of sort of the, the filming for the capital city, King's Landing, um, and some other sort of place that was supposed to be a little more um, desert or subtropical. Um, and then I also did some field work in a Belfast in Northern Ireland, um, where the production was based. And they did also a lot of exterior filming there. So could you talk a little bit about what you sort of what Game of Thrones taught you or what you kind of learned and got from this, this talking to the fans, you did some a mixture of interviews and to right, you did some touring mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I did some touring. So I did some touring as well. Um, I did some interviews. I mean, one thing it taught me is try to do the interviews later. <laughs> don't do them on don't try to do them on location. <laughs> but that's one of those things, you know, you gotta you gotta learn by doing, I think, to some extent. Um, so I think what it taught me was um i think particularly with game of thrones and and the show that it is and the show that it became is film tourism is really broad 
um, and sort of the, the range of people who go there and the kinds of fans and sort of the way they approach their fandom and what they think they're doing um, and how they experience these places is a, is very broad, um, broader than I thought, broader than I think most people think, um, even for a show like Game of Thrones, which I think I had thought, okay, this is a high fantasy show. This is kind of a, you know, at the time it was still a little bit, you know, for nerds. And then I was realizing at the time of doing this that, no, this is really for everyone. Um, and film tourism, I think what I learned from that, it is something that um, really connects to all kinds of different fans. Um, and so they have all kinds, and which means that people have a lot of different ways of engaging um, with these places. Um, yeah, I, I put that up into, uh, you know, I was putting them up into categories while I, uh, you know, when I was writing this all up um, and sort of based on different ways of experiencing the place and different ways of thinking about the place. And so the different connections um, that people make with it. And so it's not always as direct as, okay, I want to go to Dubrovnik and walk around and pretend I'm in King's Landing the whole time. Um, you know, that is part of it, but it's not the only thing. Um, and it's also about, um, you know, that was what I called hyperdiegetic film tourism. Plug my, plug my terminology. Um, but it's also about kind of seeing how it was made. Um, you know, I think that gets downplayed a lot in fan studies is that these things are made. Um, people are interested in that production process and how that comes to be. Um, but at the same time, also looking at it as, okay, particularly with Game of Thrones, that, okay, um, you know, I'm interested in history. I'm interested in these stories of history. And Dubrovnik also has a lot of them. How can I make those connections? How can I use Dubrovnik to think to how can I use Game of Thrones to think about Dubrovnik, but also how can I use Dubrovnik to think about Game of Thrones and to kind of say, okay, this is how medieval stuff really was. And here's where I see it reflected in this show. It, you know, it's all these kind of different layers in there. And just because it's so many different kinds of fans and so many different ways of approaching it, um, I found, I think that was, was uh, really important to me um, to learn. And particularly because it was the, the first case study of this project. Um, I'm really glad that I did get that broadness there. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, um, especially being in Belfast, right? And that um, the troubles in Northern Ireland, especially in the 80s and, you know, early 90s. But talking about how it also re-envisions or reimagines some of those spaces. Yeah, I was really I was really struck by that too. Um with the people, you know, that I was I was there with in in Northern Ireland um and I'm hoping this is still the case. I really actually had a great experience in Belfast. Um was this kind of yeah, a a, a way of thinking about Northern Ireland that was different. Um and a way of it's not that and it's also not that people who came there weren't you know, some of them also were doing, would do, you know, these kind of things, you know, the, doing the traditional sort of troubles tours, some kind of things, um, and look at this history. But it was also something that wasn't that. It was something that was more, inter that was more fun, um, more, you know, for them kind of personally engaging at this moment, um, you know, and yeah, that that gave more history even um, to, to Northern Ireland and to the region and to kind of take them out of Belfast a little bit and see, okay, there's also all these other things going on in there. And you can also see it as it's not just these, I, I, there's a quote that I'm always going to remember or more or less remember, probably not verbatim, <laughs> but from, from one of the people I interviewed saying that she was struck by how, you know, green and nice Northern Ireland was. She was really expecting it to be more the sort of the the image that it had of these sort of rundown towns of this, you know, sort of, yeah, you know, the the sort of the aftermath of the troubles kind of thing. But really, it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's, you know, these lovely little fishing villages, these beautiful castles, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it 
you know, it do an interesting job of recasting um, Northern Ireland a bit. So did you have one thing, you know, Croatia and Northern Ireland are not near each other. (laughs) When you talk to people and maybe this was too early on, were there people who'd been to both or were visiting both? There there were people I talked to that had been to both. So this was pretty early on. I'd love to. There was one of those ones where, God, I wish I could. I wish I had time or, or, you know, budget to go back and really do a proper comparison of, okay, what was it in 2013? What is it now? Um, I did a little bit of it. Um, I could do a little bit. But yeah, I think, um, you know, on some level, they were interested in some of the same things. Um, you know, it was definitely what they combined the holiday with um, in, ga- in terms of what they were doing was obviously going to be different. You know, in, in Croatia, you can, you know, have a lovely swim in the beautiful Adriatic, um, which is a lot harder to do in Northern Ireland. Um, but it was still the same kind of thing of this combination of attachment to the show and of kind of the narratives there and learning about the narratives there. And also learning more about the place, um, because I think what I got from both from the people that I did talk to who went to both was that these were unfamiliar locations to them. Um, you know, they weren't from either of them. So kind of both going to them was sort of a I'm learning something new. Um, I'm seeing something new. I'm seeing a new place um, that has these connections and that I'm getting something out of it. You know, I'm getting all these different things out of it, I guess you would say. And, you know, I mean, there are very different places, but there are some interesting historical parallels with them, um, particularly in terms of recent conflicts um, and how people are getting around recent conflicts and also the use of um, film and film tourism in kind of redefining what these places are. Um, You know, and saying that, okay, we had these conflicts, but that's not what we are now. What we are now is also places that can support these kind of um, big filming productions, you know, where we're forward thinking, where where um, you know, great holiday destinations, you know, all those kind of narratives as well. I think gets gets cut into that. So, so from Game of Thrones, the next um, show you move to is The Prisoner, which I I've been now informed that I would like to watch. Watching it, it's fantastic, <laughs> right? That's what I I've been told. They're like, you should watch this. Um, so, but. Which is a very different kind of fandom and fan base. So could you even like situate and talk a little bit about what The Prisoner is um, for the majority of people who probably don't know? (laughs) Yeah, I I will do my best to explain The Prisoner, Um, (laughs) but it's very difficult to explain The the Prisoner. Um, It's one of the least straightforward shows um, that I've ever watched. Um, it's great. I highly, I highly recommend it. It's only 17 episodes. If you, if, you know, if, if, if you have time by, you know, by, by modern standards, that's like, oh, that's nothing, you know, um, you can, it's a weekend, you know, it's it. a weekend. um, but it's essentially the, um, the, the best description of the show is it's based around, and you see this kind of the, the setup kind of reenacting in the credits every episode, um, where it's this guy, he has, you, a government job, possibly a, we think he's a spy, but even that's never really confirmed. Um, you show him, you know, kind of theatrically resigning, then packing up to go on holiday. Then he's drugged, kidnapped, and wakes up in a place called the village. Um, and the premise of the show is whoever is holding him captive there is trying to figure out why he resigned. Um, but I mean, spoiler alert for a, a 60, 50 or 60 year old show. Um, we never really figure it out. 
Um, and that's the thing that's that's really compelling about it is that, you know, it is it does have these sort of rhythms and style of, you know, a 60s spy show, which was, you know, when when this was being made was a very popular genre. Um, but goes but is is way less straightforward than all of that. Um, a lot of, you know, you a lot of, you know, um, compelling questions being asked. Um, it's really and in its way, it's also a very philosophical show um, sort of about, OK, you know, who are we as people? Um, you know, what is, you know, what is control? What is power? All, you know, what does it mean to be an individual um, in these sort of situations? Um, and yeah, and it's very striking, very, very interesting show. Um, yeah. With, without a lot of answers or, or things, you know, if you, if you thought, you know, lost was confusing or didn't give you a lot of, didn't give you a lot of detail as to what was happening. Um, you should, the prisoner was a big influence on that. <laughs> um, let's just say. And one of the things that, um, you know, it, and because it was so unique and because it was so striking um, and, and really still is, it really at the time and in subsequent re-airings of it um, on, you know, on, on British and American television, European television, um, it gained a really strong cult following. Um, that really cared about the show and really, you know, thought this was a really excellent work, um, you know, and, and to editorialize a bit. Yeah, it is. I think it is. It is pretty special. Um, and one of the things that had going for it was um, the way they did the village was they filmed a lot of it, and particularly the external scenes in this kind of very odd place in North, in uh, North Wales, um, this, uh, this sort of hotel village place um, called Port Marion. Um, which had been created as um, kind of a project by a, a sort of eccentric, self-taught Anglo-Welsh architect um, who also who was trying to who was making kind of a Portofino kind of place um, on this coastline that was in his family, but then also like rescuing old buildings and old things from places and putting them there. And so it, was, it had its own, it has its own very interesting charm. They kind of used that setting very well to kind of make this village location where this guy was imprisoned. Um, you know, wasn't, you know, and it's not, you know, a prisoner, not kind of a, a traditional cell block sort of way, but in this sort of surreal holiday village, um, which Port Marion already was. So it was great. And the creator of the prisoner sort of visited, right, was on holiday there. And that's how he, hmm, he sort of came about. Exactly. So that kind of it gets woke. So the Port Marion, sort of the, the story of the prisoner and the story of finding Port Marion and making the show around that um, is really woven into, into it and sort of woven into how fans talk about the place. Um, because yeah, the, uh, the, the creator and star and showrunner, I mean, this was really his, you know, there's, there's dispute in the fandom of, you know, how much is really all Patrick McGowan, um, you know, who other, you know, how much credit can be given to other collaborators, et cetera, et cetera. But in general, it's kind of thought of as, as Patrick McGowan's baby. Um he was the star of the show. He was creator of the show. He directed probably most of the, you know, directed at least several of the episodes, you know, it was a right, you know, it was kind of, yeah, his, his particular show. And he had been in an earlier spy show, um, you know, and had gone to, because places, the BBC, and they still do occasionally use Port Marion as kind of a, okay, we can't go to Italy, but we can go to this place in Wales. Kind of looks like it. Good enough. Um, and so he'd been there for for doing for for doing a show for doing the danger man um for doing an episode and he was like this place is fantastic i had this idea about a guy in captivity what if i set what if i use this place what if i set it here or set it in theory you know they never say where the village actually is but 
they say at the last, the final episode of The Prisoner where the filming is. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of, so it's it's all kind of tied into the, the, the story there, um, you know, of kind of, okay, The Prisoner is also inspired, takes place in this filming location you can go visit and is also kind of inspired by it. So that's, you know, a, a very important part of its mythology um, for the fans. And so with this case study, um, it is older. So we also have um, conventions and often conventions don't happen on site, right? Cons don't happen on site. But so I thought that was another kind of interesting thing. Uh, So I'd love for you to talk about that, that, uh, you know, um, sort of what you found and especially with like you and you do talk a little bit about cons and and the role of cons or so short for conventions, right? (laughs) In the fandom world uh, and how that kind of played out with the prisoner and, and kind of cult, this fan tourism. Yeah, it's actually, it's it's really important um, to sort of the, the story of the fan relationship with Myrion. Um, and the thing about, I mean, the fan relationship with Myrion is it is very deep. It's pretty intense. Um, you know, fans, I wouldn't say, you know, every, you know, I don't want to be too general, but for the most, you know, these sort of the, the first fans I talk to um, are, you know, they, they love Port Myron. They're very attached to it as a place. Um, also, you know, as a setting for the prisoner, but also kind of in its own right. Um, you know, it's it's a very important place for them. And a lot of that does come to because it is sort of a holiday village. They used to they still do. Um, but they started this in the in the 70s, I believe, um, being able to have fan conventions there. Um, and most places, obviously, you know, you can't have a fan convention where it's filmed because most places where it's filmed is a studio that gets torn down. Um, they don't have a specific place in the same way. Um, one of my interviewees talked about that, you know, in terms of contemporary shows of the era that kind of still have carried on, you know, that still have their cult fandom a bit, um, like Star Trek or Doctor Who or somewhere don't really have places in the same way. Whereas The Prisoner has this place as its filming, as its main filming location and also as part of its narrative. And this place was able to support, you know, having people because it has you know it is a hotel um you know it's a hotel village you know it's a hotel village um so it has that it has an infrastructure it has that um uh uh it also has you know spaces to have screenings in it has um places you can gather places you can go walk around in um so it has kind of that infrastructure that you need for a convention while also being sort of the place of the fandom um so that became very important so that you could have the structure of going there and of going back there and of seeing your friends and of every year kind of going to the prisoner convention, um, going to, you know, it rediscovering that how much you love the prisoner, rediscovering, you know, your friends that you're friends with, you know, and a lot of these, you know, friendships have gone on for quite a long time, you know, have, have become, you know, really good, solid friendships um, or relation or other kinds of relationships, um, you know, so there's, there's that, as, so there's that, that reoccurrence that really kind of enforces Port Myron as a special place. Um, but then also you have, this connection to um, to the filming itself, and you know there is the the the, reastru- the reoccurring structure of conventions. You can it can be that for kind of in anywhere. Um, you know, if you talk about say Comic Con, for example, or other other sort of conventions that have been in a place for a long time, people do get attached to those. You know, the the this the blandness of this convention center, the knowledge of what these places are, this kind of carpeting, you know, all these kind of things. But that's with with. Um, prisoner fans tied also to it being the real place of filming and the real place that McGuhan um, was influenced by. Um, so it really, it enforces itself as this is a, a special place for the fandom. And this is also the place 
to really enact your fandom. Even if you're no longer going to the convention, some people aren't. Um, you know, there's a, a bit of a schism in the fandom. Any long-running fandom will have, you know, these kind of things. Um, but people will will still go with friends that they made at conventions, even if they don't want to always participate in that. Um, you know, this is kind of, this is the place to be a prisoner fan and to really relax into your prisoner fandom and kind of really experiencing it in a way that you wouldn't elsewhere. Even if you met up with the same people um, somewhere else in a convention that they're somewhere else, it wouldn't be the same because it has this yeah. sort of this weight of history. I, you know, I was going to, I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to ask about it, but you brought it up. But I thought it was really interesting that there is this sort of schism, which just happens all over, right? But that people still kind of return, but it's still this place to return to. So it's still, so it's, it's still that, um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to holiday somewhere else. I'm going to holiday in this same location, um, just at a different time because there's such meaning to it. Exactly. Yeah. No, they're, they're still very attached to this place. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with the people who are running the convention now, but I still want to go to Port Marion. I still want to experience Port Marion. I still want to reconnect with that and reconnect with that part of myself and even reconnect with, with some of my friends. Um, you know, there are some people who do gather kind of on their own at a different time um, and say, yeah, we're having our, our not convention um, here. You know, and we're kind of doing, you know, we, we don't have to have it as structured. Um, you know, some people love the structure of a convention. Some people do not. Um, but yeah, it's, but it's still that returning to it is still is still important and still kind of reconnecting with that place is really important. And one of the things that you discuss kind of through, you know, in, in a number of the chapters is also sort of that reenactment of of um, scenes and space and, and different things and, and how fans also interact in those spaces in the ways of either recreation or not recreation. Uh, so could you talk a little bit about how you kind of saw that playing out throughout your um, yeah. work? Yeah, I think that it's it's a really interesting thing because recreation has so many is kind of this this quintessential thing that fans do at these places. Um but the way it play yeah, the way it plays out can have a lot of different meanings to it. Um because and sort of the way it's done and the different styles that it's done in. Um, you know, because it is kind of almost thought of as a sort of quote unquote natural thing that fans are going to do at this place. You're here and you're going to act like this person. And you do see that oftentimes, you know, the spontaneous, the sort of, sort of spontaneous reenactments, particularly for photographs, um, obviously, because you want to show, okay, I was in the right place. And I know the thing that I'm supposed to do here, and I'm going to do the right thing. Um, when I went back to Dubrovnik in 2019, um, you know, and I went on the tour there, there, you know, hey, there were, no, there were new places added, which was great. Um, but you know, you still saw people standing on the steps, kind of standing in the right position, um, wanting to get that picture of, okay, I know how I'm supposed to stand here um, and show that I know it and show that I was in the right place and remind everyone what this place was. Um, and so there is that kind of physical connection to what happened there um, and kind of this embodying of what happened there that I think is important um, to a lot of people and kind of knowing to do that. And also, like I said, and, but also, again, it's, it's showing that you know how to do it um, as much as it is doing it. Um, and it's also, um, I think one of the, the things that I found most interesting about the prisoner one, because those are the ones for the convention were very, very well organized. You know, it was very, a completely, a very full reenactment. You have, you know, you get the lines ahead of time. You have to rehearse. You have to, 
you know, it's a, it's a very detailed kind of thing um, that, you know, they're very proud to be doing it and to keep kind of keep this ongoing and keep this fan practice ongoing. So it's connection to not only the show and to what happened there, but to everyone who'd done that before, um, to the sort of the long history of their fandom. Um, so there's also that element to it. Um, at Wizarding World of Harry Potter, you know, you also see sort of reenactment in terms of that I've always wanted to be able to do this kind of reenactment of, you know, I've always wanted to pretend to be a wizard. I've always wanted to go in and and get my, you know, house colors or get my, you know, wa- get my wand and wave it around. Um, and so there's that kind of reenactment as well. And also of kind of what is my role in the story? You know, and there's that level of reenactment as well, of kind of putting yourself into the narrative um, in a certain way. Um, alongside, yeah, putting it, okay, here's where, here's exactly where the actors were. There's also, here's where the, where the storyline was. Um, and, but then there's also, you know, in, in my last chapter, and we talk about friends, is that this, this can also be codified in very specific ways and saying, okay, there's this imagining that this is what fans want to do. So we'll tell them the exact way to do it properly and that there is a correct way to do it. Uh, and that this correct way also coincidentally lines up with the merchandise you can buy of doing it. Um, so there is kind of, because this is a thing that is done, there is this assumption that this is the thing that is done and this is the way to connect. Um, and so this can be, you know, encouraged in certain ways and marketed in certain ways. Um, you know, and that's, I think it's one of the more easily marketable um, things in, in, film tourism and fan tourism is sort of you can have this you can reenact this because yeah so i think that's that's something that was it's interesting to me yeah no and if we move into sort of harry potter and mm-hmm. and orlando right universal studios getting and well for like it makes me think of like you can go and you can purchase a wand that allows you to do some of that reenactment right mm-hmm. so they've marketed that in um can you talk a little bit like we can talk about that more but also like there's so many things you could choose with harry potter right mm-hmm. you could choose to do this sort of game of thrones and prisoner where you can go and visit location um but you you sort of chose to go to um, a constructed space. So this kind of moves more into what you're talking about there with this, um, how we can sort of sell fan culture, right? How we can commodify fandoms and fan culture. So can you talk a little bit about that too, like that was the wizarding world and yeah. that choice and, and what that means? Yeah. I mean, and it, it was that simulate, that sort of recreated simulate aspect that I got very interested in. Um, and this is almost kind of a, you know, I, I, when you're doing this kind of work, I mean, any kind of work, you get inspired by weird little things that kind of take you off on tangents somewhere. Um, and I was reading, there's a really sort of uh, seminal, important uh, work on media tourism um, from Nick Coldrey um, about, uh, the, Corn- about uh, the Coronation Street set. Um, so this was a, you know, a, a British soap opera that had a set tour that you could go and he did this fantastic work on it. You know, that you, you read it as a, as, you know, a starting PhD and you're like, oh man, I'm never, I, he said everything. There's nothing I can do here. Um, but there was one kind of almost throwaway bit in that. It's, it's the, the, the full version of the study is quite long. Um, one kind of almost throwaway bit where he mentions that one of his interviews talked about a recreation of it in Blackpool. Um, so it's the original one, the one that's the real filming location. And then there was a recreation at somewhere in Blackpool and how dismissive they were of it. Um, and, you know, Coldry's sort of a, you're talking about that as, okay, well, obviously that doesn't matter. 
because you know pe- these these people are dismissive of it. And so I started thinking, well, what about the people who were in Blackpool? Because obviously they wouldn't be doing it if there weren't people going to it. Um, if it wasn't sort of a viable thing. Um, and then kind of at the time I was starting to think about this, I'd gone to Orlando for a, a conference where I was going to, you know, a, a, and, you know, while I was there, I said, you know, I'm going to go to, Wiz- you know, I'm going to go the- you know, to a theme park. I'm in Orlando. Um, and I hit up Wizarding World and I saw kind of how, a, you know, this was even before they opened the Diagon Alley part. Um, and it was how detailed it was and how many people were there and how people were enjoying it and that kind of got it into my head again is okay well if film tourism is talked about as wanting to experience these sort of authentic filming locations that you know it's not the same thing as going to Blackpool as it's not that's not nearly as good what are the people going to these places looking for how are they experiencing it what is their sense of it what are they looking for how are they evaluating it um so I started looking into Wizarding World a lot more, looking into a little bit about, you know, sort of fan reactions to it. Um, also, you know, theme park enthusiast reaction to it. That was a direction I didn't really go into, but there's some great work on that, which is great. Um, but sort of all, so that really just kind of got me interested. And I talked uh, out a little bit with my supervisor and he really encouraged me. Um, you know, I was considering basically uh, this would have been a very different book if I'd gone with my my second idea for the for that case study, which would have been um, going to Copenhagen and looking at Borgen. Um, which is a, a a Danish drama, government drama. Um, so it would have been a very different story. And I'm, I'm glad I went with this. So thanks, Stein. Um, but yeah, no, so that was kind of, yeah, this this idea of what is going on um, in these recreations. How are, you know, what, what, yeah, that was basically the starting point is what's going on here. And so, you know, visiting and you did this a little differently, you kind of, you know, talk, approach people there, but interview them later on about this. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what you found and what you learned um, from people visiting with like why the people return and return and return to Wizarding, you know, as a theme park, but also as a fan site, right? So a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, I think I mean, on some level, it's Oddly similar to to the uh, to Port Marion, uh, and that sort of returning is important, um, and that going there and being immersed in this fan culture in this space is important. Even though they are kind of very different places, there's still that feeling of immersion within um, within within the text within the fandom um, is really important to people, and that's something that people um, find very important to them and find very. Um, stimulating um very uh comforting um you know uh, someone i talked to um at wizarding world who you know she was a florida resident so they get passes pretty cheaply um and can go very often um you know she's from a bad day she goes in there and just you know it's it's something that makes her feel better you know and it's 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 comforting like that you know and it's just being there surrounded by and particularly with wizarding world i think even more so than than port marion unless you're there at the convention time you're surrounded by your fandom you're surrounded by other people and this sense of you're not alone in this, um, that, every, you know, most people here are here because they're also fans of Harry Potter and because they want to be involved with this. Um, and if you're not, you're the and if you're not a fan being there, you're the outlier. Um, you know, I mean, obviously not everyone there is a fan of it, but, you know, it's not for it. You know, they don't matter as much, at least to, to the fans. Um, you know, what matters is they can imagine that these people are fans. Um so that, that sense of returning is 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 very popular and kind of being yeah that that sense turning and sense of bodily immersion, of physical immersion of I'm walking around and I am feeling Harry Potter I'm smelling it I'm hearing it um, I'm 
touching it. You know, all these kind of things are, are really important. Um, you know, so that's something that, yeah, they're looking for in, in Port Marion and returning there and also in Wisdom World and returning there. Um, it's kind of, yeah, this is, a, this is the place to be a fan. I can be more of a fan here than I can be elsewhere. And I can dress up and drink butterbeer and eat like chocolate frogs or whatever it might be. And no one's going to look at me like I shouldn't be doing that. Exactly. No one's going to think I'm weird for doing this, you know? And so no one's going to think, yeah, I'm, I'm weird for coming in and wearing this out for, you know, yeah, dressing up like this, wearing this outfit, doing these kind of things, um, saying these kind of things. Getting excited about seeing Ravenclaw merchandise. This is what you're. This is the place for it. This is what you're here for. If you're not doing that, you're the weird one. Um, so you really kind of this full expression of your fandom, um, and that's something that people you know respond you know thought about it and you know kind of talked about it. Say yeah, this is a place that can do that. This is why I wanted to go. You know, I, as, as I, much I as being surrounded there by was all one of woman. It, yeah. yeah, there was one woman who. Two, I think a fan said like they became a fan because of visiting. Yes, yes. Uh, like, I that, thought that was really interesting. That was fascinating. Um, and that's something, you know, I, I wish I had more time to go in that direction. But there's a, a new book out, um, if you're interested in theme park stuff, um, Rebecca Williams' Theme Park Fandom, that kind of, again, talks about theme park fans a little more. Um, that was, yeah, I didn't have time, you know, I couldn't go into that in uh, in this project, but, you know, so I'm glad Rebecca did. But, um, you know, and particularly people who have experience with theme parks, who um, like theme parks, who that kind of is a hobby of them. Um, and so these were, you know, who have been to theme parks before and they go into Wisdom World and were like, this is, as a theme park, incredible. This is, as a themed location, the work that's put into it, the detail that's put into it. This is incredible. I have to figure out what's go what it is about. <laughs> what's going on here? You know, somehow they miss the rest of the Harry Potter craze. Um I, I did not, you know, I'm like, okay, good for you. But, you know, the, the amount of detail that was put into the theme park and what it looked like and what it felt like and what it was like being in there and the way they had it, you know, set up, there's like, as a theme park fan, they found it so impressive. Um, sort of the way it was themed, the way it was built, um, the enthusiasm that people had for it. Um, and I think that that's what brought them in. Um, and I think, yeah, evaluating as, as a theme park, they were really, they're very, very impressed by it. So you move from, you know, these kind of locations to uh, really constructed um, fandom, right? Um, and can you talk a little bit, uh, because I don't think Friends Fest or Fr you know, Friends is a show is is pretty well known, but like Friends Fest and this Friends pop-up, kind of what this is, what they were, what they created to sell. Yeah, they were based. So basically, um, so the the so Friends Fest and the pop up, and that's kind of what I what I analyzed. I didn't get to go to them, which is you know, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and so they were basically these these recreations of some of the important Friends sets. And you know, Friends is a is a show that locations are important. Um, you know that you know if you're a fan of the show, like these these places that they spend most of their time in, you know, and that and that is different than say say. Um, something like Game of Thrones, where they are doing on-location things. I don't think, um, friend, you know, Friends is set in New York, but nothing was ever filmed in New York. It was all, you know, a, a Los Angeles studio. Um, but these places are important. These places that they spend a lot of time in. Um, so they thought um, originally with Friends Fest as kind of a Comedy Central, I think it was an anniversary. Um, so anniversaries are, are a big deal. And say so a way that we can promote this and, that, and also show that we still have friends and keep interest going 
in people watching friends on our channel is we're going to do this event where, you know, you can get tickets and you can, you know, walk around a recreation of, um, of, you know, some of the more important sets here. Um, you can also buy merchandise and you can have your picture taken and, and all this. And this proved to be really successful. People really wanted to do this. Um, so they turned this kind of one-off event in London to a touring festival throughout the UK um, where they have a f several recreations. They bring in props, um, you know, like actual, you know, they bring in also actual props. Um, they have friends merchandise. They have, you know, food tents and, you know, sort of central perk kind of things um you can kind of go in and and have these sort of friends experiences um and then the pop-ups that i also looked at were done for God, i should have looked this up um the, the most recent friends anniversary that i think is the 30 the one you know the, the big one going on um is it the 30th i, it 30th? I feel so I it old it probably oh, is god i think it was i think it was <laughs> and i also feel just like oh god just thinking about that um, <laughs> but it was, so it was in the, um, you know, it was, it, this was actually in New York, um, that they did this and it was, it went for, it went on for a month and they, again, was sort of a friend's recreation slash museum. Um, that was, you know, a ticketed thing, um, that they, you know, it was a pop-up thing and again, hugely successful. Um, you know, so it was clearly an audience for this. Um, but I was also really interested with it kind of coming off of the Wizarding World stuff and looking at really what kind of fandom is encouraged in these kind of places? Because again, as we think about Friends, Friends is a hugely popular show, but sort of in the literature on fandom, you didn't think it wasn't really included. It wasn't really thought of as this has a fandom. But these days it certainly does. And in this sort of tradition, you know, quote unquote traditional way, you know, in the sort of merchandise that people get in terms of how they think about Friends, in terms of how often they watch Friends, you know, there's, there's you know, huge amounts of, of attention to Friends right now. Um, so I was really interested in kind of, okay, if there, if this is kind of looking at, at friends as sort of the mainstreaming of fandom, what kind of fandom is encouraged in these kind of places? And if these kind of locations are going to be, you know, and I was writing this, you know, pre-COVID, so we'll see what happens. When I was writing it, I was really thinking, okay, yeah, this is sort of the next step in, in marketing and in sort of encouraging fandom and encouraging, um, you know, people to engage with, uh, with texts um, and sort of keep engaging with them because again, this is a 30th anniversary thing. Um, so, you know, the next step is going to be these sort of physical immersive locations and what, but what kind of fandom is this being there and what kind of fandom is in these kind of, because again, it's, it's, you know, created, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, a festival sort of could be a convention in a way, but kind of isn't. So what is being encouraged here and what isn't was basically my, my, my thought about it. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so a big thing that is going around, at least in the United States right now, is this immersive Van Gogh, right? You can go um, as a having a daughter who is obsessed with Van Gogh, you know, I brought my 11 year old and we sat and but it was very timed, right? You go at this time, you go, you can spend as much time as you want, but like the goal is to get you through and then get you and you just kind of talk about that this kind of time thing where you will spend 30 minutes here then you will go here and then you will do this which is very different than any of those other kind of spaces so can you talk a little bit about that and what you found with that kind of um rhetoric around these this fan site yeah. i think a lot of it, it's it's very directed um and not necessarily like in a in a you have to do this kind of way but in a this is the best way to do it 
Um, you know, this is kind of the proper way to do it. This, you know, and we're going to help you do that. We're going to help you because we're, you know, kind of the experts on this. We're going to help you have the best time that you have. We're going to make sure that you get the photo ops that you want. We're going to make sure that, you know, this is the time that you have in here and you can take this photograph. And, you know, for reenact- we talked about reenactments earlier, you know, they have reenactment points. But here's the direct, here's exactly how to do it. So you're doing it right. Um, so that's really this idea of doing it right um, instead of letting you kind of discover what, is right and how you want to experience it. And if you want to do, maybe do other things with it. If you want to maybe not do the exact way that, um, you know, that, that the, the pivot scene is supposed to take place. Um, you know, so there's a little less, not that people couldn't or wouldn't do it, but it's more, it's more of an encouragement to do things kind of in this proper way. And what this proper way is, is a sort of this very guided thing, this very kind of say inside the lines sort of structure of phantom. Of, okay, you can have all this stuff. You know, we're going to build you these sets. We're going to, you know, you're going to get to walk around them. You're going to get to, you know, sit in Joey's recliner. You're going to, all these things that you would want to do. But these, you know, we're going to say, this is the way you probably should be doing them. Um, instead of kind of letting it be a little more exploratory. And even um, there was one, uh, you talked about a proposal that even kind of happened during this where, again, a very structured space, but using the space um, to enact sort of fandom in these different kinds of ways, which I thought was really interesting to think about. Yeah. And to kind of say, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is one of the things you can do in it is this kind of enact fandom in this way to show your fandom. Um, but it's still also this very, yeah, showing your fandom in a very public facing sort of way and saying, okay, yes, I, you know, I'm a Friends fan. I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to go to this, you know, um, but yeah, we can, we can get engaged here. We can have this sort of great romantic. It's, it's going to be a great time, you know, and this kind of, this is what Friends fans want. Um, again, and what, what friend, Friends fans want is to reenact this, is to be able to get, be proposed to in this location because it really proves your fandom. Um, and kind of reinforces your fandom. Um, so these kind of, yeah, these these kind of things in in there, you know, an encouragement to to engage with friends like this. So you have this, you know, you've done these studies, and then and COVID hits, right? So you have this kind of conclusion. You've alluded to this a bit, but you kind of it was, you know, interesting that you're like, here's my original kind of like, here's how I conclude this. But I also have this kind of big question mark of what's going to happen. So can you talk um, a bit about that? Like what you, before everything kind of changed, what you were, what direction you thought we were heading in now, what do you think is, you know, or or what what are your thoughts? As much as anyone can predict anything, I think, you know, this was a real, you know, I I try not to predict too much because I like going back and reading, you know, kind of theories about what's going to happen here and then seeing, oh, this never happened. That's fun for me. Um, There was, there was one, uh, uh, you know, doing my sort of background research on, on tourism and media tourism was talking about how, sightseeing would decline because of the internet because you could go and look up any image you wanted and look up the Eiffel Tower if you wanted to see it and so or look anywhere else and so you wouldn't have to go to these places um which has not been the case at all so I'm like that's that's my sort of my my cautionary tale in my head but I finished the first draft of this book um I I I think I turned into the publisher um March 1st 2020 (laughs) 
So that was a, 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 a so really like, you know, in the revising process, I was like, oh, a lot has changed uh, even since I literally just sent it into you. Um, not not just my first case study that, you know, I, I did when I was starting out, but everything. Um, you know, so it's hard to predict, but I do, you know, I, I did kind of waver on would these kind of things be coming back or not. But the thing is, I do think that they are, and perhaps even more so, particularly when we talk about these issues issue of control and of doing the right and of kind of doing things in the right way and of, you know, going to these places, but having these sort of very, you know, set timelines, set times, set ways to do things, set places to go to. Um, lack, you know, kind of ways to not deviate um, from what's going on here. And I think that because these places can be controlled, you know, that is going to be, I think, wanted and popular. You know, you can control how many people, you know, when you look at, say, the the upcoming Star Wars things um, that Disney is, is doing, you know, I'm very interested in, in, in what's going on with the Galaxy's Edge um, and sort of the, the, the struggles and the triumphs, um, a lot of struggles, more than you would think, which was interesting to me. Um, that, you know, these sort of issues of, of control can come back and of saying, okay, you know, we can have this for, you can, you know, have this for a set time with this amount of people, make it even more exclusive, um, and then make it feel very special in these, in these times, kind of, um, you know, I think if there's one thing I've seen from, from living in Europe through all of this, it's people still want to travel. Um, you know, you cannot keep a European from their holidays, um, you know, so there is kind of that, that element to it as well of, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time, um, you know, looking at places and there's this pent, you know, there's, I think in some ways this desire to go back to doing things, but I think there's, there's more opportunities to kind of build these structures and have them operate and have them kind of be a thing that, okay, can be controlled a little bit. Um, and sort of the, the positives and negatives that come with it. I think there's one thing that I really want to look into this is that, you know, we, when we talk about control and we talk about, you know, um, fans being sort of told the right way to do things, um, it can be very negative and it can be, you know, sort of very capitalistic, but it can also be things that fans really enjoy and things that people really want right now. Um, and things, you know, want to have that sort of feeling of, of safety and feeling of doing things in the right way. So, it's complicated, <laughs> but I think, yeah, if I, if I want to say anything for the future, I do think, um, you know, we're going to see more of it, but I don't think, I think Galaxy's Edge is maybe a, a bit too far. Um, I think, you know, there is going to be sort of maybe, a, you know, smaller things. I think, um, things like the friends pop up, if it can be controlled in a different way, um, sort of these, these smaller kind of marketing events. I think there is still an enthusiasm for it and still enthusiasm for this kind of physical experience of a text. Yeah. And I think the Friends pop-up is interesting too, because it allows a, probably a broader audience because you don't have to travel to New York, right? Like we can bring this experience to you. Uh, so, right. We can bring, which again, going back just because the, that Van Gogh thing is so huge, but right. We can, you know, it's not real Van Gogh, but we can bring you Van Gogh. So you don't have to go to Amsterdam if you really want to see Van Gogh, yeah, right? And, um, yeah, and that was the thing with Friends Fest too, is that, okay, they had their London version, but we can pack this up, move it to Milton Keynes. We can pack this up, bring it up to Liverpool. We can pack this, you know, they brought it all around the all around the UK. Um, and it was very, you know, and that was successful. Of, you know, this kind of idea that, and I think that's a tension that I find very interesting is between this idea of place as a very permanent, you know, kind of coming in from, 
bringing in some stuff from tourism and geography that, you know, place is a very permanent thing. Um, these, these places are, you know, one of the things that say prisoner fans like about the connection with Port Marion is that Port Marion is there. Port Marion's listed. Port Marion can't really change. Even if people don't care about, even if other people don't care about the prisoner, um, there's still Port Marion and that still holds so much memory and that will always be there. But there's a sense of kind of place as a permanence, but then there's also this sort of sense of place as can be recreated again and again. And that's fine. Um, for some fans, at least that, you know, you can go to, you know, the you can go to Orlando and have it be, you know, Wizarding World. You can go to these pop ups and kind of or these, you know, Friends Fest and have it be Monica's apartment each time. Um, and that's still visiting Monica's apartment. You know, it's all this kind of imaginative, all these kind of imaginative spaces have different relationships with sort of the permanence of place while still being kind of mentally, they're still the same place. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. <laughs> so, I you know, so. Yes, we could talk about this forever. Oh, gosh, I know. I'll, yes. You know, I'll ask you my like final question <laughs> that I usually ask is like, is there, I know your book, it just, it's been out, what, like two months, maybe? Yeah, like two months, maybe, just, yeah. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you might just, there, you might have something about this that you're promoting, or if there's something new in the pipeline you're working on, like, what's that last self-promotion you want to kind of, you know, I mean, you know, the book plug. is definitely, right, the, the book is definitely, um, uh, you know, the, the big thing right now. I'm very, I'm very pleased it's still promoting. I'm still very happy with it. Um, I am kind of, currently uh, finishing up a, a research project kind of in a different direction of finishing up work, um, some research I've been doing on uh, archives and use of archives. Um, you know, you can kind of, at my stage of career, you bounce, to project, you bounce from project to project a bit. Um, but, you know, so I've been finishing up with that. And so I've got a, a more recent article out on um, Remix um, that you can find and sort of ideas of Remix and conceptualization on Remix in um, Convergence. Um, so that would kind of be the the second most recent thing I have, the most recent thing is the book. Um, and that's kind of where, yeah, where I'm at from there. And hopefully um, in the future, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been finishing up the, the, the postdoc project I went on. Hopefully, um, you know, go back to, you know, when it's, it's great you mentioned conventions because that's kind of a direction I want to go in um, a little bit next is looking at convention, the expansion of conventions. Um, because again, we talk about the mainstreaming of fandom, which the, the friend stuff got me really interested in. You also see that with conventions. Um, and sort of everything's got a convention or did pre-COVID have a convention? Yeah. <laughs> yes, everything. <laughs> so, Abby, it's been great. Again, this was Abby Weisdorf, who wrote fan sites, film tourism and contemporary fandom. Abby, thanks for talking with me on New Books and Popular Culture. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me talk at you about all of this stuff. This was great. <laughs> yeah.